Tonight, beat. Hi, this is M.L. Elrin. I cover the night beat. For the soul of Detroit. You know, stories start out in many different ways. Tonight's story... Started when I walked into a nice little guy's private world and it blew up right in my face. You asked me to ride your out of my face. Get your finger out of my face. Take the first shot, then if you want to count. Get your finger out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? Well, we are off to a roaring start. I'm, I'm just back from the set at Fox 2 where we're getting ready to put on my latest investigation. We'll, we'll get into that another time because I don't want to upstage myself. But we have a lot to talk about, and I, I figured we'd be talking about a very vigorous Michigan-Michigan State rivalry game on Saturday. I mean, we won't be talking about it on Saturday. We'll be talking about it tonight, and the game's on Saturday. But uh, our friends, I can't believe I ever in my life, cheered for Patino. Our friends in Minnesota took out the Purdue Boilermakers, boiler up, boiler down, and now the Michigan-Michigan State game is going to be for the Big Ten Championship on Saturday. To discuss that is my wingman, my thing man, my ring-a-ding-ding man. We really should script this. Uh, Mark Fellhauer. Hello. And, of course, the voice of reason is not here, so we've invited in Sean Windsor, the Detroit Free Press columnist extraordinaire. You can find him at Freep.com and at various homeless shelters. Wearing what? I, I, picking up some new duds. Oh, okay. So, so wearing nothing. No, I mean, maybe exchanging, maybe getting some of those Rich Rodriguez gear on his way out of town. He would only be there volunteering to help out the less fortunate. You know, Sean is a kind of a big-hearted guy. (laughs) He's got that whole Ann Arbor, uh, you know, I want to save the world type of thing going. So nobody else in Michigan cares? Is that what you're implying? You're (laughs) denigrating the rest of the state. No, no, I love love the entire rest of the state except for that one little little. You love it because nobody else cares in the rest of the state. That's what you're saying. I think uh, I think everybody cares, and and you know what? We're, we're kind of we're kind of getting a little testy, but I, I thought this was a chance for us all to come to together, bond. yeah, to, to wrap our arms around it. Because today we have one thing: Spartan Wolverine. Uh, I don't know how the Broncos feel about this, but uh, but we're all excited that Purdue lost, and now we have the Big Ten championship game right here. Yeah, for, prime for time. a share, ESPN. The winner does have to share it. Because Purdue's not going to lose to Northwestern. You know, I said Purdue was not going to lose to Minnesota, too. So They're not going to lose to Northwestern. Sean, what's your expert opinion on this? They're not going to lose to Northwestern. <laughs> what, what, what was your expert opinion on the Michigan-Michigan State basketball game in Ann Arbor? That Michigan would win. Okay. so That's not noted. an expert opinion. Duly that's, noted. That's an oh, opinion. That's, that's an opinion. So so how exciting is this? I mean, is everybody kind of geeked Prime about this? Prime time is huge. One of the biggest games at the Breslin in years, and certainly – I mean, Michigan hasn't played Michigan State for a share of the title, I think, since the 40s. Wow. Um, Michigan State has played Michigan for the title or share of the title, but Michigan was not involved in that race, right? So understand what I'm saying there, Mike. That's maybe a little complex for you. You're the guy from Ann Arbor. I'm the guy from East Lansing. So do it. Give it to me in burning couch terms. So this is the first time in in a long, long time that they've both had a share – of the Big Ten title at stake 
while playing each other. Yes. Okay. Now that I get because they've shared the Big Ten title just recently, but not in the last game with all the chip. When was the last time they ended their season against each other? I don't. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. So how did this? How did this convergence happen? I mean, this divine, uh, this divine set of circumstances. Is this Jim Delaney's last gift to the Big Ten before he rides off into uh, hell? He gifted the Big hmm. Ten. Well, no, the, he no, gifted the, himself twenty million dollars. I'm, uh, I'm sure he figures he earned it. You're all for that, though, you know, because the players make oodles of money, according to you. But we don't want to get <laughs> no, off. No, on no, that. no, no. Just to just to just to recap. <laughs> Thanks uh, for bringing that up. Let's it's let's true. limit. Jim Delaney's salary to a reasonable level, and then the rest of the money can go back to the schools for the kids who oh my God. don't yeah, those nonprofits. get the free Zion Williams slippers. So the the Big Ten's a nonprofit, too. <laughs> yeah, I like right. the sigh. Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, the sigh. It's all you can't see wink, the week, you can hear the sigh, though. Re- that says yes. it all. Regarding I'm glad it was a sigh. I thought it was the SBD. With the game Saturday, Sean, since you're around these guys, what do you think? players, if they had to pick one, would rather have the Big Ten Tournament Championship or the regular season championship? Because in my mind, the regular season championship's nice, but the tournament means more rolling into the big dance. I think it depends on the the day you ask them. If you ask Michigan or Michigan State players Saturday night at 1030 at night and the, the, ask the players who've just won, they're going to tell you right then in that moment, the regular season, if you wait the following weekend on that Sunday in Chicago, I think this year, and ask, they're going to tell you that. So I think it's a. They're never going to be a, truthful, though. Let's say the beginning. No, of they the are. They're truthful to their their emotion in that particular moment. I think a lot of coaches feel like Big Ten coaches feel like that the the regular season shows a, a tougher resume. Sure. It means more. It's, this year it's been twenty games or yeah twenty games. Yep. So you know the Big and Ten you tournament win you have the to road, win right. Whereas the Big Ten championship it's three games neutral site it's also somewhere back to back to back. It is, and and I understand why the fans like it because you you get the trophy and the confetti and it, you roll into the NCAA tournament from there, and you know maybe with some momentum. But in terms of looking back on a season, I think the regular season uh, championship means more. I, I would rather have the yeah. regular season championship, but I will tell you, and I feel ashamed to admit this: one of my favorite Big Ten championship teams ever. Not that it's been around that long was that beeline team where the plane went off the runway mm-hmm. and they had to play in their practice gear. I got sent by Fox 2 to Willow Run to see that plane, and it was pretty scary. And to see some some young guys, particularly young guys, you know, not a lot of life experiences, some of whom probably never flew on a plane until they got their scholarship, um, to pull it together, go to D.C. I think they went to D.C., right? Yep, it was yep. in D.C. And then they played like the next morning. And this was not a team that looked like world beaters, and then they just turned out and they smoked everybody. So I would think if you're a team that is trying to position yourself for the tournament or, or if you're trying to make the tournament, obviously the Big Ten championship is huge. But the regular season, to me, that's winning the war. That's not winning the battle. Well, that's- I agree. The, the thing about the Big Ten tournament is this. It, it, it's a second chance or another chance. Right. Right. If you've scuffled, if you've had injuries, if it took a while to develop the chemistry, whatever – Players sometimes uh, need a season to develop, and then you get rolling at the end. So it's kind of out there as another opportunity. I could be wrong, but you know what the record is since the plane crash? Overall, 59-13, and 13, I believe. Wow. You know, that sounds about right. Yeah. Because four losses this year, eight last year, one tournament loss after that, and then the wins from last year and this year. Well, if they're lucky. Oh, plus, the, no, actually, it's more than 59 because the, the whole tournament, the Big Ten tournament that year. So it's another, what, four games they had to win. 
Yeah. It, so 63 and 13. That's so incredible. My prediction for Saturday, by the way, I got to get this out of the way. Michigan State, 4,000. Michigan, three. Where do you want your kids to go to school? Michigan or Michigan State? One of them goes to Michigan State. Against your wishes? No, no, no. No, I, I would have allowed them both to go to Michigan in the same way that I think that we need to defend outrageous conduct to preserve the First Amendment. I always get asked, uh, what if your daughters want to go to Michigan State? I don't care. I'm not going to root for those teams, but I don't care wherever they want to go. And it's to the point so much so now that my daughter says go green to me because she knows I don't like it. She thinks it's funny. She drew a picture of the family there, five years old. My wife goes, I don't know which one's you. And I said, oh, I guarantee you she drew the green one as me. And sure enough, she knew because it would bother me. I like the cut of that kid's How old is she? She's five. She's five. And learned to troll already. I love it. I know. Gee, where did she learn that from? She couldn't even imagine. You need, to, you need to put a parental filter on all your media. <laughs> so what are our predictions for Saturday? What are you guys thinking? You feeling feeling happy over there? On uh, I'm always a defeatist, so I kind of think Michigan State's going to win. But there's that whole rematch element. When you're the team that wins, you don't change much. You don't need to change. You won, so you kind of go with the team that has to do something different. Except Arns um, might be out. He had a pretty true, good game against true. Michigan. And Michigan State, as I understand from my friends at the Free Press, completely changed their defense just for the for Michigan game. game. Yes, Can you right. flip things one more time? I mean, or does Beeline see that coming and saying, well, if they do that, then we do that? I mean, it beat the same team twice. No, it's <laughs> difficult. They could they could go back to defending how they – Michigan State could go back to defending how they defend most teams. I don't think that would work out necessarily uh, against Michigan. What, you know what they did, right? They switched defenders on the they high ball screens. Yep. Ass. I think Michigan is going to win. Do this you game. really? Yeah. Hmm. I feel better now. For the paper, I picked 60, I 69, wrong. 61, maybe 62. Oh, wow. Wow. And is it all the, the margin in garbage time, or is, a, you know, is one no, team trying a, to catch up? I think up, it's or? a fairly close game, but I, I think it'll be the opposite of what we saw in Ann Arbor that Michigan will control most of the game. Maybe State goes on a little run like Michigan did in the early in the first half of Chrysler. I want to share something um, while we're on the Michigan Michigan State uh, tip because this podcast was supposed to start before a great Michigan-Michigan State game. And uh, at first we thought it might be the Michigan-Michigan State football game. Then we thought it might be the first Michigan-Michigan State basketball game. We kind of made that. And now here we are before with our third episode before the Michigan Michigan State uh, coronation, I guess I'd say, in East Lansing, uh, choosing the Big Ten regular season champion. Um, my nephew, Abraham, is five months old, and he is uh, he's quite the guy. He's now known as the Hammer. Hopefully he, uh, he lives up to it. But on the day of the Michigan-Michigan State football game, he was one day old, and he had been, just by fortune, diagnosed in utero as having a, uh, a hernia, which, you know, at the time I was like, great. Yeah, I, hernia, big deal. All the guys I know have a hernia. And it turns out what this is is some of your intestines come up in through your, a hole in your diaphragm into your chest cavity, and they can impede the development of your lungs. And my sister was lucky, and my brother-in-law were lucky to find that this was happening, so they were able to change the hospital where he was going to be delivered to a bigger hospital. So he was delivered at St. John on the east side, east side. And then as he was born, they realized he was in a lot more distress than they had thought. And, and to put this in a little bit of perspective, my brother, who's a doctor, so ooh for me, <laughs> he went to Yale. I almost went to jail. 
he said that if this had not been diagnosed beforehand, when he was born, everybody would have thought he was okay, and then he would have died because someone – and they would have said, what's wrong with this baby? And then before they realized, they would have been too late. So he's born. He's at St. John's. They start to get concerned about some of his signs, and it's – I don't know if anybody remembers that October day. The weather was terrible. Michigan and Michigan State both had noon kicks. We were getting smoked by Northwestern. Michigan, I think, was playing Minnesota or somebody. What was, was the day? It would have been October, whatever this is, five months okay. ago. But um, so they decided, well, we've got to take uh, we've got to take Abraham to uh, Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor, and they wow. want a medevac in there. But the the weather's too bad; they can't do it. So now they're going to take him in an ambulance, and I'm like, wow. in an ambulance on football. Saturday, and it's a noon kick, so you know people are going to be late, and then the weather's bad, so they've delayed the game, so everybody's going this way. And I thought, this little guy is going to die in an ambulance trying to get to the hospital because there's a damn football game on. So I'm at the Michigan State game getting updates. I'm thinking I need to start praying for the Spartans because the Wildcats are taking it to them. But I'm thinking, if I got any sort of cosmic juju, I need to really save this for the important stuff. So, so I'm focusing on Abraham. He gets to the hospital. They get him in there. They're able to get him hooked up to more machines than I've ever seen in my life. And uh, if you see the pictures, it looks like there's this little speck in some sort of you know high tech, like in uh, NORAD or something, where they're controlling the national defense system. He's hanging on, and then we find out that his signs are not that great. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh my god, uh, this is terrible. I'm driving around, you know, I'm crying i'm going to visit my grandparents gravesite and praying lighting candles at church and asking my grandparents to do whatever they can to intercede on his behalf and it's really scary and we don't know what's going to happen and we're worried his lungs aren't going to develop and and we want to go visit him but i I got a bug and so you can't go in the icu for these kids because they're so delicate and it's, it's really it's really a tense time and somehow he kind of hangs in there and then he gets stronger, and then he gets stronger, and then he gets stronger, and then eventually he's released. So now I'm in this situation where I'm forever indebted to the University of Michigan, which is like a really weird feeling, but I'm I'm uh, grateful to everything that's happened at the Children's Hospital there. And then, you know, he comes home, and he's, he's a kid, and he's kind of fragile, so you don't want to go around if you're not feeling well. Well, this guy has been putting the weight on. He's been looking good. He's been looking strong. And on Sunday was the first time I actually got to hold him. Really? So that oh, was, wow. what a was really pretty cool. We'll, we'll put a picture up on on the website if you want to rate us hot or not. You know, <laughs> don't, don't feel like you have to throw a bone to Abraham because he's not really going to notice that you voted for him. So if you can throw It'd one be his my first way, uh, internet presence or does no, he have pictures? Okay. No, this is a modern kid. So okay. my sister Leah puts up all these pictures of all her right. kids. Oddly enough, there are no pictures of the kids crying, although I've seen them <laughs> crying before. I guess they're perfect Are you children. trying to say that uh, social media sometimes presents a false image of life? I would say that it's, uh, it's, it's I guess we call it curated now, okay. right? It, yeah, doesn't curated. Mean, it doesn't mean we cut the bad shit out. It just means everything's hunky-dory. But That's so, great, though, man. So Abraham, man, the hammer, five months old. And so while I am going to be cheering for the Spartans on Saturday, I have to say... That for the rest of my life, it will not break my heart if Michigan wins a game here or there. Now, one of the things that I have to say I'm bummed out about the big game is I have to rush back to Detroit on Sunday morning because I am the MC 
for the family fun zone for the Detroit St. Patrick Parade. What is? Wow, really? Yes. What's the family fun zone? Uh, it's not like Neverland. I'll tell you that. This, <laughs> is, a, this is a safe. Th- believe me, Neverland was not a family yes, fun zone. No. They, they did have the Elephant Man in, <laughs> in uh, formaldehyde, but no. You, this is, you have to be the MC for a family fun zone. Yeah, this is going to be great. This is the the St. Patrick Parade. I know a lot of people think about the old days when it's sort of like Sodom and Gomorrah converge on Michigan Avenue in Corktown, but this is. This parade is becoming a little more of a uh, a respectable event where you can take your kids, where you can take your family. And I, which is the ironic part, am the uh, the adult in this particular room where all the kids and their families can see Rory and Paws and they'll have some crafts and some food. And you get to see all the floats coming around off, I think it's 6th Street onto Michigan Avenue. And, and it's uh, it's kind of a cool place. And here's the important thing, as you know, as the father of young children. Yeah. Bathrooms. The oh, yeah. Bathrooms. Yeah, I thought you were going to say killing time. No, no, no. That's no. my theory on parenting. Parenting is all about killing time. Oh, really? <laughs> a lot of time. Well, I always wondered before I had kids, like, what are all these kid events going on everywhere? Why are there so many? Who wants to take their kids to all these events? It sounds terrible. Then I have kids, and I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do with these kids? Are there any events I can take them to? Oh, man, yeah. I, I guess It's about experiences. Yeah, now that my kids are getting older and and can be a pain in the ass, I'm thinking, boy, I wish we had like like a build a bear workshop or something. Yeah, to go no, to. I know it's it's wonderful cool. having these things to take them to because otherwise you're sitting at home and, and people think this is a terrible thing. But I try to keep screens away from them at this age. Yeah, no, that's so, good. So we I know we keep the TV off, but you want to just you, you just get so stir crazy. It's like I, I can't imaginary play with a five-year-old any longer we've got to go somewhere and do something even if it's costco that's why you have anything to have the play groups you bring the parents yes. the other parents bowling parties are great the kids terrible bowlers yeah bowling with little kids is actually kind of fun but there's a bar <laughs> that's true so that's true that's... but i'm always looking for for ways to kill time the family fun zone sounds like a, a great way to kill time it should be pretty good, and uh, if you want to know more about this, go to the DetroitStPatrick'sParade.com. I will be wearing sunglasses so that the kids aren't frightened by my my red eyes or whatever uh, condition I'm in after hustling back from <laughs> and so this Lansing is, this that is day. Sunday? This will be Sunday. I'll check the weather. DetroitStPatrick'sParade.com. Come and say, hey. Uh, we may be doing some Facebook Facebook Live stuff. I'm not sure, nice. but it, it should be hey, a good 45 time. 45 degrees, that's not bad. Oh, that's that's a walk in the park. And then, that. and then you just kind of, you know, if you get somebody to take the kids home for you, you can sort of go oh west God. on Michigan Avenue, and at some point you're going to run into Matt Riley. <laughs> that is not the family-friendly part of the parade, but it's a lot of fun. You know, I'm, I'm kind of glad because... There's still these, does there still need to be a little bit of debauchery in life? Even if you're not partaking in it, isn't it kind of nice that other people well, are? Hey, hey, I know people that lament New York City cleaning up Times Square. Right. Because they liked it when it was grimy. And Swedish, live Swedish erotica, sex not shows. Not that they partook in it, but just the idea that there's, there's some grime left in well, life. I remember so when it was saccharine. nasty like that. I was yeah. in Times Square when I was a, a high school senior walking around those, those uh, places, and you're like... Oh wow! And it it seemed to be darker there, even in full daylight. It just seemed yes. to have like like a cloud over it. Now it's you can't realize how great things are unless you see how creepy things can be. It's the well, yin and the yang. So they clean it up, but they still got the naked cowboy. 
Yeah, but even he's not nude. Not no, that I wanted th- to be. There's some there's some very busty superheroes <laughs> who are hanging out in Times Square now, and they'll when, take. When a was Times Square cleaned up? Like what year approximately? It would have been. Well, Giuliani the 90s. gets credit, right? Yeah, it would have been early nineties. Early nineties, okay. Because I was there in eighty five, and it was still pretty. You know, it was. Pretty, I, still I went there sketchy. with my dad. I want to say, oh boy, ninety five, and uh, we got both propositioned by a prostitute. Oh wow! The same prostitute apparently wanted there some a sort of father something. There? I don't yeah. know. That which was really weird, um, and it's just kind of funny to me, and it makes me laugh. And I wasn't. A f- I mean, I was twenty years old. And I just think it's hilarious. But last time I went back, it's like, what is this Wonderland? Then <laughs> this is where it's propositioned by a prostitute in broad daylight in the middle of the day, and it's gone now. Um, one of the things that that I would be remiss if I didn't mention, um, you talked about 1985. I was transported to 1985 this morning. At 10 o'clock by our old pal, I shouldn't say old pal, our very young and firm pal, and I don't mean that in any, or maybe I do. Anyway, (laughs) Trudy Daniels, I was going to say, I I woke up with Trudy Daniels, but that's so corny, and it suggests I was sleeping until 10 o'clock. They're going to end up using that as a sweeper. In fact, I was up at 9.45, so I was up pretty early. Uh, Who's... Who's the new morning jack? Wheels is back. 106 points. Now, I remember Wheels when I was a kid, but when I heard Billy Squire, I was almost transported to that bus leaving the high school parking lot yeah. because people would play that on their... The, yeah, you know, Billy Madison used to. Yeah, The Walkman. That was a big deal. You know, if you had your Walkman, if you didn't, some kids had boom boxes. And then I heard Boston. I was like, whoa, and that's that's Okay. And then I heard a couple of tunes that were way more modern than that. I heard Heart, which is a little older. But I was sort of intrigued because, and you and I were talking about this earlier, I used to paint houses uh, when I was in college, and I used to listen to CSX all the time, which is classic rock. The classic rock they were playing when I was in my 20s was real old for a guy in his 20s. The classic rock they're playing now is even older because it's the same classic rock my classic rock is not credence although i love credence it's not america yeah it's not the doobie brothers some of it might be the who but it's uh, i know for you it's pearl jam not not big on, on the vetter thing classic rock now what uh nirvana change yeah, nirvana great um mm-hmm. uh yeah I, i'd like to hear rooster you know i mean soundgarden metallica Metallic, yeah, not so much Soundgarden for me. You don't but, like uh, any of the Seattle sound? Some of it's okay. I love Nirvana. What is your problem with I love with Pearl the Foo Jam? Fighters. Foo Fighters, great. Yes. What, uh, what is your problem with Pearl Jam, though? Which song is that? It could be every Jeremy. one of their songs. Oh, no, is that Jeremy? They're not all sound the same. I'm going to make Is that Jeremy, too? I think, or is that? I think you're thinking of just the album 10. You need to go a little deeper in album 10. And so is it go to 10. 11 or 9? Is it a reverse order? for? I don't know, but Green Day. I, I'm I'd be I'd be glad to hear Green Day on this. I just want to know why you're so. They play them. I'm, I'm just wondering why you're so dismissive of Pearl Jam. I like Eddie Vedder and what he stands for, and I like that he tried to break. I think the you don't like them because they were bash. too popular. No, 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 no. I I didn't like a lot of the music, man. Oh God, I'm not I, a big gonna... Zeppelin fan either. So I know there's really? sacrilege there. There's heresy there. ACDC, take them or leave them. You don't like Zeppelin? Some of it. Some of it. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. It's Do you um, like let me ask you this. Do you like the Beatles? Love the Beatles. Okay. Yeah. Because it's weird to come across someone who doesn't. Not big on the stones. Really? 
Love the kinks. Love the kinks. I do, too. That's, don't even know about the Dave Clark Five, but people talk about it. <laughs> my wife does not like the Beatles whatsoever. Really? Cannot stand them. Loves the Stones. Okay. Loves them. Well, I can appreciate the Stones. Does she like Pearl Jam? Loves them. See, with a go. passion. Okay. Well, that's a woman who's made a lot of bad life choices. <laughs> oh, I know. I, present I know company one, I know one excluded. Included. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that station evolves because I'm not that into Riff. I don't want the real heavy metal stuff. I like a lot of the people who are jocks at Riff. Yeah, but the, the, a lot of, even I'll say there's a lot of good people over yeah, there. But, I don't really listen, though. But the playlist isn't for me, and uh, well, it, wheels, it, wheels might be. It's interesting because there's a lot of rock is dead when you look at the top charts, the pop charts, it, it there you cannot there's not a guitar to be found. And if it is, it's being strummed by some redheaded guy from the UK and oh. he's whining about stuff. But rock being dead, eh, look at what shows sell out. And now you have another station that's flipped to rock. Granted they've kind of flipped from back and forth from other rock, but now they're back to the rock that tours and sells. Yeah. So well, we'll see how it goes. Dead. But no, I I like rock, and I think I think in the same way that there are still people who love to hear the Doobie Brothers come on ninety four point seven. This is this is a transitionary period, a transitional period where those of us who, you know, like the music that came after that, well, have a place to go. I think people get sometimes. You know, the music that really means a lot to them are what you listen to in high school and college, and that just stays that way. And, you know, midlife crises exist for a reason because turning 40 can be a little shocking. And then it's like, oh, my God, I've been graduated from high school for 25 years now. Oh, my God, my music's now classic rock. It's really kind of bizarre, but I'm glad that to the, the point being that, you know, their tagline is the new generation. It kind of is the next grouping of classic rock sure it's an, it's the next age band however you want to yeah, look at it yeah well i'm glad it exists but so. it, it is funny about that that those moments where you kind of feel a little older when i when i first started teaching college i was an adjunct professor at wayne state and i think i must have been about must have been about 30 at the time and i remember getting ready for my first class night and i, I look younger than i am already so i thought when i get in there I'm be like oh wow who's the kip hip young professor you know he's really cool he's like one of us is that a student up there is that and i got in there and i kind of bounced in the classroom and i looked at all those kids and the only thing i saw coming back from him is just another old dude teaching a class and i thought you bastards yeah the the quicker you can accept that i think the better it is (laughs) that you're not you're not the you're not a kid anymore and we know you know going back to the football games and stuff walking through the student sections like oh my god why do they why do they look so young (laughs) I know. It's uh, everybody. Why do these punks think they're so cool? Yeah, and I'm up there. I'm looking sweet in my plaid <laughs> pants, and they're like, no. Sweet I jacket, leather I don't wear elbows. The, I don't wear the plaid pants, but <laughs> the, you, you look like a geezer when you're on campus if you're not like 20. I, I, there's one thing I want to touch on, too, Mark. Uh, Lulu uh, Harwell died. Yeah. And uh, great lady by all accounts. And, of course, we lost Ernie a while ago, and uh, just a, a true gentleman. I, I had the, the pleasure of meeting him a couple times, and he really did seem to be as advertised. But I want to take people even further back because I started at the Free Press in 1999 as the obituary writer. And one of the obituaries I had to write was for the guy who ran WJR when they fired Ernie Harwell. Oh, wow. And so in the obituary, I put that in the lead, which is the first paragraph of a news story, 
And as a courtesy of the family, you know, they, they're like, are you, are you going to mention that he, you know, the Ernie Harwell thing? And I said, well, I, I think I, I'm bound to do that. And they said, well, it was really, it was really Bo who did it. Our, our, our loved one just took the heat for it because Bo didn't want to take the heat for it. So he ran the radio station, so he took the heat. And I said, well. Bo took a lot of heat for it, too. Said, if you'd like to go on the record with that. Yeah, that would make an even better story. Like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. We can't do that. I said, okay. Well, I said, here's the here's the deal. We're writing a lot of nice things about your deceased loved one, but we do have to mention that he fired Ernie Harwell. Like, no, no. He knew this would be in his obituary. He always said this would be in his obituary. And I said, well, and he was was prescient. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they were really upset. They called the publisher. They got all worked up about it. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. And I explained to him. I said, well, if he hadn't fired Ernie Harwell, I might not be writing his obituary. So you could look at it as. Firing Ernie Harwell got him in the paper. Yeah. So That's in the midst of all too. this, they're freaking out. They're yeah. calling the publisher. They're trying to get us to change the story. There's all this sturm and drang. It's Is all it really very dramatic. Worth it? Well, in the middle of this, I think it was Bill McGraw, who's kind of a, a troublemaker from way back, and a great uh, legendary free press reporter and columnist and editor, said, um, "Did you call Ernie and see if he has any comment?" And I'm thinking, "You got to be shitting me." And I think now I would probably say, up oh, years, I'm not calling, you know, it's, but, but then I was kind of like, well, I'm yeah. kind of new here. He's a senior member of the staff. I should be. So I called Ernie Harwell and I said, Mr. Harwell, I'm ML Elric, uh, Detroit Free Press. I just wanted to, you know, thanks for taking my call. I just want to let you know that so-and-so uh, has passed on and I'm uh, wondering if you would have any comment. And Ernie kind of paused and then in his, his sort of way of speaking, he goes, I, uh, Hope only the best for his family. It was a very classy comment. It wasn't sort of like, uh, how do you like me now? Yeah. You know, or uh, strike three. Or he stood there like the mausoleum by the side of the road. But he was really he was really classy. I, I and, and it wasn't sort of like, you know, like, why are you calling me? You know, I got no yeah. comment. You know, you smart-ass kid. You know, he was, it was really yeah, cool. He, God, I'm trying to think, did he ever, did he ever crap on anyone? <laughs> Boy, I don't think so. I mean, he was... He was. Uh, if he ever had come, like, if he ever said anything about Bo. Now, on the other hand, when he hung up, he might have said, "What are you gonna say?" I mean, what are you gonna say? It is an obit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Trash a guy that oh, just yeah. died. Well, some people. But he could have turned it down. He could have said, I'd, "I'd rather not comment, young fella," and hang up the phone. I, I once did an obit on a guy whose brother died, who was his business partner. I said, "Blah blah 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 blah." You know, you know. Uh, uh, any comedy? He's like, "No, I think I'm good." I'm like, "Well, you know." You're in business with him. He's your brother. Obviously, you're going to miss him. He goes, eh, not so much. Really? <laughs> I'd say, like, I'd probably leave that one out of the Was paper. Was that hard writing obits? Because you had to contact these people that, Oh, know, dude, I used to write. At a time of distress. Three or four a day. So you'd write a main obit, which was like a little profile where you'd do a couple interviews and you'd write up. And then you'd have to write two or three what we'd call others, which were just maybe six or eight paragraphs that came from from uh, the information you got from the funeral home or whatever you might have had in the, the the morgue or the library at the newspaper. And so it was... But people really liked to talk to you because, first of all, they knew their loved one was dead, yeah. so it wasn't like a shock. And the fact that they were going to get in the paper at that time, it still was a big deal. You know, it was like an honor. Yeah. You know, you're putting my so-and-so loved one in there. And I wrote my grandpa's obit for the free press when I moved back. I mean, somebody else put it in the paper but i basically dictated it was the worst obit i ever wrote i mean it was it, it really said nothing even though this is one of the most important people yeah. in my entire life but the people at the 
at the uh, at the wake and at the memorial service were so thrilled to see my grandpa in the paper, even though it was a terrible obituary, did him no justice whatsoever. It was just so cool to them yeah. that somebody they knew and someone who they had a high opinion of got in the paper that it was kind of nice. And so I became uh, uh, part of the grieving process, I guess, maybe a, a source of comfort for people. And and it's sort of like when you ask people at a accident scene, you don't ask them, how do you feel? Because they feel like crap. Mm-hmm. You ask them, you know, first of all, you say you're sorry for their loss. And then you ask them, what what do you remember about this person? What what will you miss about this person? What should people who didn't know them know about them? Know about yeah. them? And I always thought of writing obituaries as learning a lot about people who I wished I could know, but I yeah. would never get the chance. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. No, it was awesome. What, what's the, who's the highest profile obit you wrote? Can you think of one? Um, boy, uh, you know, the thing I try to do is find people who weren't all that well-known, yeah. you know, and, and, and sort of find ordinary people and elevate them a little bit. Not make them better than they were, but give them a chance to finally have their, you know, their glory. So, I I mean, I, I, I know I wrote some about people who were well-known, but for the most part, you know, I wrote them about just regular people who did kind of cool things. And sometimes, like, seemingly insignificant things, like, uh, like the, uh, I don't know, and I'm making up this example, but, like, the person at the flower shop who took all the flowers left over at the end of the day and would leave them at the corner for the homeless lady. You know, people like that. Because people have some amazing stories, and they do some amazing things, and they never quite make headlines, but... See if I were to be. Hopefully, an ob- some of them made it. My obit writing would always be shiny and sparkly <laughs> and splendidly bright. Here one day, gone one night, gone too soon. <laughs> or maybe it'd be. Well, they were fucking great guys, and this is a fucking asshole of a day. And this is unconfirmed, but it's entirely possible as, as we talk about this that the only person Ernie ever had an unkind comment for might have been me. When he hung up and said, Lulu, you can't believe this knucklehead from the free press called asking about Did he really? Oh, no, I don't know. I'm, making, he might I'm have. making it up. No, he might I'm, have. I'm yeah. saying that's the only person he might God have said, like, you know, Lulu. who the hell is this? I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. Well, and this feels a little bit like a, a moldy topic, and maybe that's appropriate because we were hoping to get this podcast launched before the Michigan-Michigan State football game. But I think it's relevant because I was just reading a piece in the Detroit Free Press where you can find our our friend and co-conspirator Sean Windsor. This piece is written by Nick Baumgardner, and the headline says, Michigan football, NFL combine stats bittersweet. For Wolverine's defense. And it talks about how some of my least favorite players, don't edit that to just say favorite, <laughs> it's least favorite players, are uh, doing very well in Indianapolis. That's uh, a fella named Rashawn Garay, uh, Delvin Bushed, um, 
Chase Weinbich and uh, some guy named David Long, and I'm sure that's an ironic name, just like they Always call respectful. big guys tiny. Always respectful. They all ran elite 40 times hey, for their respective kids, positions. These are unpaid by the way. They look like they're doing okay. Um, and they, uh, it says, Gary and Bush look like surefire first-round picks. Winovich's athletic display vaulted his draft stock, and I guess uh, old Long did pretty well, too. So, so these guys, the, the, this bittersweet part that Baumgartner's talking about is that Michigan fans are sitting here thinking, what if they had only played in the bowl game? And no, I, they're not. No one is thinking that. Really? No, because that bowl game meant nothing. I'm thinking if, J, if Justin Lane had only played in the Michigan State bowl game, we would have beat uh, Oregon in the, whatever it was, uh, blue jean pants. Bowl. Yeah, held him to... Six points. Yeah, seven yeah. points. Seven, seven points. Po- but he would have made a pick and would have brought it back, and we would have had. Uh, Maybe so. I don't. I think Michigan fans are thinking, if they're this fast, why couldn't they slow Ohio State? Of, absolutely. Well, but there's more than four people that make up a team. There's more than the eleven people on the defense too. You know, the players come in, players come out. But it does kind of underscore coaching. But it's also team. The team, the team, the team. I think a uh, 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 overrated coach made a big deal out of that at one point. And I think the problem with Michigan and with a lot of these programs is that there isn't that feeling of team. So Devin Bush, after uh, somebody posts on Twitter that his, his 4.43 40-yard dash tied Denard Robinson and David Terrell, two offensive players, mm-hmm. for second-fastest Michigan players at the NFL Combine since 2000, Devin Bush tweets, is it safe to say I'm a Michigan legend? I think so. And I just would suggest that you can't be a legend for any team if you run out on that team. The only place he ran faster than at the Combine was out of that team meeting where they said, everybody who's playing the bowl game, grab a seat. And I think that's unacceptable, it's ungracious, it's disgraceful, and if I were the Wolverines, I would say, Michigan legend, the other thing is, is I'm Jabril, impressed. Is Jabril Peppers a Michigan legend? Um, he didn't play in the bowl game. Yeah, is, Chris, is Christian a McCaffrey team. a Stanford legend? He was the one that started it, skipped the, bowl, mm-hmm. uh, skipped the Sun Bowl. Yeah, I thought there was a... Uh, th- yep. Leonard Fournette, too, that same yeah, year. Fournette. This was just two years ago. But uh, Fournette, when he was hurt, came ago. back early to play, I think, in... Uh, against Alabama in that big game. But, but you know, the, and I should probably cut Devin Bush a break because I'm sure he was still Injured. probably hurt from that vicious clothesline that he suffered at Spartan Stadium. Oh, no, well, he got hurt in the Ohio State game, too. I thought yeah, he hurt he, his foot uh, yeah, he digging, into the, t- digging into the Tearing up the, the turf into that <laughs> son of a bitch, Devin Bush. <laughs> oh, what disrespect. More disrespect. The fuel that feeds Sparty. And if he were here right now, I would... Tell him that I don't that you're appreciate a <laughs> his whatever. So, so you have a big problem with, with players skipping out on a ball game. That means of course he does. Don't you He's guys? an authoritarian. No, I'm not. But this is this is about being a part of something. This is about the 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 name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back of the jersey. Now, how does that work for Indiana? I don't think they have a name on the back of their jersey. They also stink. Maybe that's your why. tendencies though towards you know domination and telling people what to do you hide behind a, a wit i guess if we can call it a wit a little bit of stubble you've been growing since you were 14 still hadn't grown in by the way that's that's you, you i started early but seriously that. come on man why do you want to why do you want to tell these people what to do that aren't earning because to me the, you're enjoying for the, free no 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 i'm not i'm not enjoying because it you're not freedom. buying the bud light when you're watching the bowl games 
I would never drive. You're part of an light. exploitative system. Not at all. Not at all. This is Once at some again. point the difference between college sports and pro sports, which is just a, a free for all, free market, highest bidder, whatever. Is that one has free labor and the other doesn't? It's the only uh, difference. It's the they're, only difference. They're being handsomely compensated by way of tuition and uh, goods and services. But I want to cheer for a team where I feel like the players want to be there. They came there of their own free will in the NFL. You're drafted or traded or whatever. They came to those universities. They came to Michigan, and they said when they, they had their stupid but, hats but lined up in their cafeteria that I picked that hat because that's a place that's special. They pick the hat because they like the coach or the facilities or they most, got, most of the time. Or maybe they got a little um, you know, bonus or whatever. Whoa. Sure. Is that are we talking about? I think uh, that's very fair. Who's my, Cam Newton or Terrell Pryor? When he picks or who's Ohio all the State? basketball players you just got? Uh, look, got players have up. all sorts of reasons for picking, but you're really telling me a junior because you can do it after your junior year. You have to with the age limit in the NFL, or after your senior year, and you're you know two games over 500. You're seven and six or eight and four or whatever, and you're going to go play in El Paso. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> no you're way. Gonna stay there for six more weeks instead of going to get ready for the draft, and you you know your uh, first, second, third round pick. That that's what that's what you're gonna do for a bowl system, by the way, that is uh, antiquated. Right. Re- rewards coaches. Rewards yeah, it's a, it's uh, athletic an, directors. It's an old stra- exactly. It's an old crony system. Um, you know, the so- out of the south a little bit. It's just it's a. It, it, the division two, II, division three, or whatever, however they're labeled now, they all do playoff systems. And there's a reason they do. Every other sport in the NCAA has a playoff system. Your beloved soccer team. Oh. Right? Your tennis MSU champion. Team. Your diving champion. Do, do you agree that the bowl system is broken? I think the bowl. Or do you like them? I think the bowl. I, I'm for a six-team playoff, but but that's that's a different topic. I think the bowl sis, season, just like these stupid trips that Michigan football takes, is an experience for kids to see different things, to have different experience. It's I, a reward for your hard work that season. Now, now it just see, so happens that half the teams get rewarded. Six and six teams are rewarded for their hard work. Which see, I will say, because I think we tend, to view it, we tend to view it through these big time glasses. Yeah, Bulls probably, look at Eastern Michigan. I'm sure oh. they love making it to a bowl game. And Montgomery, Alabama is not bad, which is where they played, right? Sure. And they hadn't been uh, in one since. Didn't well, Central no, or the, two years the Broncos ago, go to the yeah. Bahamas? I mean, that's. Yeah, Eastern went to that game last yeah. year, the year before. Central, Central once played in the Bahama Bowl. But but you're right. Eastern had that long, like about 87, the California Bowl or whatever that, whatever yeah, that thing in, was. Yep. And then they finally made it a few years ago. So it means something to those schools, I agree. But come on, for the big. This is the, this is the real problem here is that you have, I don't know what. 35, maybe 36 real money-making schools in Division One football, they don't really give a shit about the bowl game. They no, don't. and those teams should be pulled out to me. Make their own 40 league. And, and exactly. And have a you know, 10, 12, well, they already 16, are, they already 16 are team playoff like the NFL. Yeah. And then the rest. Um, the power five and the other five. They're already separated to that extent. You, they should. You just, and they should have a playoff system too, so Eastern's in a playoff. Sean, you just inadvertently hit on my point. In, in, in a way that summed it up better than I could, which is saying something. Um, just like the NFL, that's my problem. I think we're giving up on the idealism of college sports. I think Whatever we're giving up on idea. the ideal 
that this should be about an experience. This should be about a commitment to the team. When you and these are young kids, so I I don't I don't have a problem with them lacking perspective. I don't have a problem with them being in a hurry to get out of college because I was in a hurry to get out of college. And once I got out of college, it's like, what the hell was the rush? What a how silly was that? That's my only regret. When when the, the rush to get out of college. Right. Of course, when the money runs out, you're like, boy, I'd like to make some. Yeah. But when you hear these pros who stay too long or when they retire, what do they miss the most? They miss the locker room. Yeah. They miss being on the road with the guys. They miss being part of the team. They miss, miss being part of something. And I think when we just allow – when we just just dismiss or accept this sort of thing, like, well, of course he's going to leave now because he's going to make a lot of money and blah, 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 blah. I, I'm all for setting up some funds to compensate kids if they if they get hurt and it costs them their shot, giving them an insurance policy or something like that, pouring some of that money that is going into coaches and some of this ridiculous stuff, putting it more towards the benefit of the athletes. But I think if we give up on the notion that they are students, that they are athletes, that it matters to play for that school with those teammates, we've we've turned our precious amateur college athletic into a minor pro system where I don't care about anybody because I know all they care about is themselves. It's not us. We haven't lost it. It's you, you, First of all, your notion is antiquated, right? I knew and that was coming. Yep. Yep. Your little idealism. But it's it's not us. It's them. They're the the system. It, but we don't have to accept a, that into a, into a business. We can fight that. I think when we just say, "Oh yeah, you know," but I don't want to fight it. You know why? Because uh, I like watching fifteen games on a Saturday, and TV and the money poured into it is what has changed that. And as a consumer, I like it. But do you like watching those games when? Say Shea Patterson's not part of that game. I mean, doesn't that diminish some of the the you know joy what? that you would take from that game? I didn't game? watch any of the bowl game. Of the full, you you didn't watch them lose to Florida. I had to do something else that day, but I taped it, and I didn't care. I didn't care because the game is a preseason game for next year. It means nothing to me. It doesn't. Oh. After the Ohio State game, that was the season right there, and that's the beauty of college football is those games matter so much. That's why I don't want such a giant playoff system. I love that every one of the twelve matters. You like the four? I don't like the four. I mean the I Alabama to... and three. <laughs> I or wish the SEC and I, two other teams. I don't want sixteen. I don't even think I want twelve. You know, with buys. No, that's crazy. I think eight is eight is acceptable. Why is it crazy? It's not in the rest of college football. I think the reason why the the lower divisions of college football do it is because of the economics. Is you can't have fifty bowl games. It's just it's not going to be the Fred's Plumbing like Bowl game said, where e- they each get twenty thousand uh, dollars each. Did I? Did I? Enunciate that well enough for you. But economics. But these bowl games will have more value if you have these marquee players in them. I would much rather but watch. The bowls make they make money anyway because of the television. The marquee players lose money because they've been on television. Yeah. Marquee players, right? You, how do you know they're marquee players? I mean, <laughs> because they're not amateurs. No, 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 no. That's where you're wrong. I cheer for Michigan State not because they have you name him, but because they're wearing the green and the white. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Can I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? Contrary to what you may have heard in uh, International Summit news, this week's Geek of the Week is not a great guy. And he did have a role in the death of Otto Warmbier. I'm speaking, oh. of course, of Kim Jong-un. 
our geek of the week. Not a cool guy. Kind of a, kind of a dick. Yeah, no matter how much he smokes, it doesn't make him look cool. Yeah, and, he's and the it, only guy that when he smokes looks dumber. Well, and the, he was he was great in uh, in uh, Team America. Team America, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Really, a transcendent role playing himself. I hate the fact that he just gets off on all this. Uh, well, that he loves the attention. And by the way, get a plane that works. Stop taking the train everywhere, idiot. Yeah, well, and then then he wants the Nobel Prize for tearing down his his nuclear sites, and now it looks like he may be rebuilding them. Another one, yeah, yeah. So we had a lot of candidates this week, folks. But this week, your geek of the week is Kim Jong Un. While Mark pours himself a glass of golden champagne, or maybe it's Reuniti on ice, which is... So nice. So nice. We tap into, we break into, actually, brazenly. We bum-rush the door at room 7609 for this week's new wave underappreciated gem. We are bringing it back. We're making it great. In the same way that Trudy Daniels is putting some great rock that may have been forgotten or overlooked on the air, we're bringing new wave hits back. One hit wonder this week. You know, uh, a lot of people... I've, I've never heard of this group. you never heard of Camouflage? I've never heard of them. Oh, my goodness. See, I think when people think about New Wave or, or sort of post-punk one-hit wonders, they think of Men Without Hats, or they, S, they S, think S, of S, S, uh, hey, hey, hey. I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. Uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners? Dexy, right up there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just, oh, I just... Who was... Wait, what band was... Did you just say I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight? Cutting Crew. Cutting Crew. The cutting yeah. Crew. Oh, crew Forever. But we're looking at Camouflage, who uh, had one hit, and they were gone. Mm-hmm. 
Camouflage fades back into obscurity, or so I thought. The Soul of Detroit research team has been hard at work trying to educate, illuminate, elucidate. And Mark, what, well, what, I, have, what have you found? I'm blown away, first of all, that they're still a band. Then they had an album out as recent as 2015, and they, they were touring in uh, mostly Europe, some South America. I don't see anything in the States... Yes, they're very, they're very big in Venezuela right now. So <laughs> Russia. Trying to book a flight out. Wow. Mexico. Okay, they played Mexico in 2013. Okay. See, they're- The one, Pepsi Center, which sounds like it might be a big place. In Mexico? Oh, sure. It's not like the RC Cola Center. That'd be more of a, a sort of a gray box. No, uh, yeah, the thing nothing... I love about these guys is, is they're one of those great new wave sort of synthy bands that sounds English, but they're really German. German. Yeah, huge in Germany. Like Alphaville, who was big in Japan, or one of their biggest hits was. But yeah, so Camouflage is still... See, I did not know this. Uh, and not only that, so you're calling them a one-hit wonder, which is sad because they've put out, uh, looks like, eight studio albums. Wow. Wow. Well, um, we may have some try, more... Try, try again. They we peaked may, early. We may have some more gems to unearth from the Camouflage vein but uh, but that's it for this week's Room 7609. Please let us know what you'd like us to play in an upcoming podcast. Do you want to know what it, what it charted in the United States in 1988? Give me... Give me the Great Commandment. UK and US if you can, because I'm sure it was top five in the UK dance tracks. Um, it was number 14 in their native Germany. Okay. That helps you. And it reached the top 10 in over 20 countries. Very but nice. here it only hit number 59. It's not, I you know, you laugh all you want, but it's not bad for him. Yeah, it was. It provided enough dough to keep creeping keep around for the yeah. next thirty it's, years. Under their next seven albums, crap. That's so it's not too bad. They're definitely not living off of royalty checks. <laughs> wow, that's wild. Wow, keep the commandments. People. Not a bad song. Can you name any other song by him? 
off any of their eight albums? Uh, Love is a Shield, of Love course. Love is a Shield. Which you mentioned to me 30 seconds ago. But otherwise, no. No, that's it. Sounds a lot like uh, The Great Commandment. Yes. And I, I do know that song because I listen to New Wave. Uh, I, I listen to First Wave on Sirius XM. So, uh, so you do know this? This song I do know. They're not a one-hit wonder then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> did this do better than 59? No, it did not. <laughs> okay, Absolutely so did not. I think we're going to have to stretch that definition of hit sad. to try and bring Love is a Shield into it. But, well, they uh, just got paid five cents for that that play. I like that. It's, it's worth a nickel. <laughs> they can make an album number nine. Oh, well, I'm not sure I want to encourage them. But, uh, oh, Lord. Well, thank you, Camouflage. You've, uh, you've, uh, we'd even come... Where's a German group come up with a name like Camouflage? Is, is it like the Bay City Rolls where they just throw a finger in a phone book and come up with it? Or it's like, Camouflage, das ein guten Namen. It must be the first thing they saw. I don't know. They're coming out of the war? In 87? I don't know. When they were born. Nostalgia trip. Oh, boy, you ready? I have your answer. Uh-oh. <laughs> Thank God for Wikipedia. They formed the band, what was originally called Licensed Technology. Terrible band name. Then uh, some other guy left, and soon after, the remaining three members called themselves Camouflage, inspired by a Yellow Magic Orchestra song of the same name. I've never heard of Yellow Magic Orchestra. I don't want to know what they are, but uh, apparently they're named after that. So they won't be featured next week in Room 7? They are a Japanese electric music band, so unless uh, you're expanding outside of New Wave to Asian uh, electric yeah, music no, thing. I think we're probably going to try yeah. and keep it in the Western Hemisphere at least. Uh, at least <laughs> keep the, it keep it Anglo at the start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, folks, we we would appreciate it if you would tell your friends about us. Check us out on iTunes at Google Podcasts. Look for ML Soul of Detroit, and we would love it if you would rate it. Yeah, very unless, important. Unless you hate it, then just just kind of forget about it. But that's but that's listen, it. even if you hate it, just keep listening. I don't care. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, come yeah, back. Just yeah. don't tell everybody how bad it oh. is. I mean, well, you can tell them how bad it is, and they can download and let them decide. Mark, just I'm, tell everybody this exists. I'm not sure we're on the same, <laughs> sure we're on the same, same It's page. all about getting people to listen. I never thought I would miss Sean Windsor until this. He is a ray of sunshine. He's, he's just a fluffy little cloud. He's the definition of not judging a book by its cover. No, no. It looks or, like he'd be grumpy, but he is a ray of sunshine. Or as my, uh, as my Irish granny used to say, uh, you know what they say, grab a book by the cover, baby. But she said it with more of a brogue. <laughs> she, she didn't always get this stuff right. That's okay. <laughs> okay, well, I'll take it. Yeah, so thanks, thanks, Grandma Elric. You've been listening to ML Soul of Detroit on the Red Shovel Network. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Love is the greatest thing, the oldest yet the latest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Copy, boy. Listen next week at the same time and every week as M.L. Elric searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. The stories that come out of the shadows to find their way into Night Beat.